Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Good morning. My name is Joy, and I am a pastor here at Cove. If this is your first time here today, we welcome you. We welcome you online. Thank you for joining us today. I also want to say thank you to Pastor Aaron and the team for the invitation to share my heart with you this morning. Um, speaking of invitations, that's where we're going to land today. But before we go there, I want to say Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day weekend. A shout out to my mama. I have a picture up here on the screen for you. She's the best. Mom, thank you for your love, for your generosity, for your influence in my heart and my life. I am grateful for you and I'm excited to see you today. I also am a mother. I have two kids of my own, Kayla and Andrew, and my son Daniel, who married into our family just a couple years ago. And I have a picture of them on the screen as well. <laughs> and that big horse, there's a story to that. <laughs> that was my son's picture of the, he wanted to, this picture to be shown on Mother's Day. So there you go. There's Drew and the very large horse whom I did not birth. <laughs> Um, but happy Mother's Day. We celebrate with you today. I also want to be aware that for some of us in the room today, this is a really hard holiday. This isn't an easy one. There's some deep pain and grief that surrounds Mother's Day. And so for those out there who have maybe lost their moms, for those who never knew their mom, for those who had a mom, but she was emotionally disconnected, detached. For those that long to be moms that have never been able to have children on their own. For those of you that have lost children, maybe prematurely, to addiction, to broken relationship. Those mamas out there today that are raising children alone. This morning, we simply want to stop. We want to pause with you. We want to acknowledge you in the room today. And you're not alone. You're not alone. So Holy Spirit, I ask, would you encourage those precious hearts here today? Would you come close? And would you minister to them? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you know someone, church, who's struggling today, you know that's their story, reach out. Be the one to send that text, to give that hug. Spend time, if you can, to encourage and support those today that are struggling. So we have set for you a table this morning as a visual illustration Thank you, Pastor Janelle, for your help in putting this together. I appreciate it. I want you to begin to think about all that a table might represent in your life. A place to nurture your body with food. A place of connection. A place of conversation, whether that's good conversation, not so good conversation, laughter, joy, maybe some tears. Those awkward family moments at the table. Has anyone else had some of those? Yeah, I have. Interesting little factoid here. Eating around the table is a uniquely human thing to do. No other species does this. 
And I have a picture up here on the screen for you. So contrary to this artist, Coolidge, dogs do not sit around a table and play poker. They just don't. <laughs> but we have some significant moments also captured in scripture that take place around a table. In the Old Testament, we have the example of the children of Israel with the Passover meal. In the New Testament with Jesus and his disciples, when they come and they gather around a table, that last supper, when he spent time with them, washing their feet the night before he was crucified. A lot can happen around a table. We also have this beautiful picture in Isaiah chapter 25, verses six through eight, of a heavenly table, a feast, a celebration that is to come. Listen to this. On this mountain, the Lord of armies will prepare for all people a feast with the best foods, a banquet with aged wines, the best foods and the finest wines. On this mountain, he will remove the veil of grief covering all people and the mask covering all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Almighty Lord will wipe away tears from every face. He will remove the disgrace from his people from the whole earth. The Lord has spoken. We know he's spoken. It's gonna happen. This is to come. A lot can happen around a table. So today let's explore three different invitations found in scripture. And I want you to imagine these invitations happening at a table, something similar to this one. So we're gonna travel from the very beginning, starting in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. So buckle in, it's gonna be a long service. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. But our big idea today is this. At the heart of the gospel is laying down power and setting aside privilege. To illustrate this big idea, I wanna talk about the two original humans, Adam and Eve. What we find that goes wrong with Adam and Eve's relationship is emblematic of all humanity. Our power structures, how we treat people, how we exclude others from the table. So let's go to Genesis chapter one. Let's start there with number one, come to the table, the original invitation. All right, so imagine with me, we have God, Jesus, Spirit, all sitting around a table together, having this discussion, enjoying some good food, some really good wine, maybe some whiskey for Spirit. And they're talking about the details of creation, light, dark, day, night, the cosmos, the sea, the sky, the animals, the creatures, the plants, the animals. And then getting to humankind. This was something special. Can you imagine them just leaning in and saying, yes, let's do this. Let's make humankind in our image. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 captures this. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. 
Every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God bless them. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. Be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Wow. Wow. Okay, so what do we see in this passage? Number one, we are created in the image of God. You and I embody characteristics that reflect God. Each one of us, a unique expression of God. And after all, the land, the sea, the animals, the creature, everything was complete. The apex of God's creative work was man and woman standing side by side. And God said, this, this is good. So my question to you this morning would be this. Do you see it? Do you see this in yourself? Do you see the ways that you reflect God? Do you believe that it's possible to be human and reflect God? It is possible and you do. You see, I think this is hard for many of us. We see ourselves more through a Genesis 3 framework. That was after sin and shame and death entered our world. We see our flaws, right? We see our brokenness. We see what we're lacking, what we're not. Sometimes just due to family or cultural influences. And while there is some truth to this, yes, we do sin. Yes, we have some growing up to do. Please hear my words. At the core of who you are, the very center of your being, there is a part of you that is the indelible print of God. Indelible means a mark that cannot be removed. This part of you, no external force, no man, no sin, no abuse, no pain can erase or change ever. You were created in the image of God. And although we know, okay, Genesis 3 is coming. Yes, it does happen. The fall, the sin, the curse, consequences. Genesis 1 is not obsolete. Genesis 1 is still fundamental to our framework. You see, we can easily, we, we hit Genesis 3 and we go, ah, this is where it all went to hell, literally. Yes, it did. But don't forget Genesis 1. God sees you today. He sees you today. He sees that print. And he says, this is good. It's good. All right. What else do we see in this passage? Number two, we see that we were invited to rule and reign over creation. So they, male and female, can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds in the air, the camel, yes, earth itself. Important here to note, we were told to rule over the animals and the earth. Nowhere in Genesis 1, 2, or 3 does it say humans are to rule over humans. 
later in Genesis 3, often used as a framework for subordination and rule, there is, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. This rule is not prescribed by God. I'll say it again. This rule is not prescribed by God. It is a simple statement of a fact. Part of the dire consequences of their disobedience, it's not good and it's not the creation ideal. We were given the authority we were given the responsibility to care for our earth and everything in it. We had purpose. We had work to do. So, so far, there's no gender hierarchy. There's no so-called gender roles. Rather, each and every statement of Genesis 1, 26 through 28 applies equally to women and to men. Same status, same authority and same purpose. Do you see how wide open the opportunities are in this church? Whatever is in your heart to do, whatever brings life and love and health to all, do that. Often church, I think we can get so caught up in the biblical roles of man, the biblical roles of women, defining differences in male and female. Yes, there's some obvious ones. We know this. <laughs> what they can do, what they can't do, what's culturally accepted, what is not, that we miss the entire point. Go reflect God. Get married or don't get married, stay single like Jesus did. Have children or don't. It's not a requirement to get to heaven just because you have the organs. Work full-time, work part-time, stay at home. Live in the country, live in the city, wear long robes and hair coverings or don't wear much at all. Cut your hair short, grow it long. Tattoos, no tattoos. Wear a beard, don't wear a beard. I know, I just blew some of your minds right now. <laughs> Contrary to pop culture of the Northwest, you don't have to grow a beard and wear flannel to partner with God. Isn't that great news? <laughs> Especially for us ladies. Yeah, that's great news. <laughs> but I think sometimes God is like scratching his head and he's saying, when are we gonna get over the things that don't really matter to the things that do? Like love, unity, forgiveness, healing of our hearts, our land, our nation. Unfortunately, we can hear some conflicting messages and many of these are coming from our churches that begin to shrink the landscape, limit the possibilities that were lined out for us in Genesis 1. Here's just a few. I just wanna give you a few this morning to think through, okay? We can do this. <laughs> See if maybe you've heard a couple of these. 
Adam was created first and put in charge of the garden. Therefore, God intended him to rule over the woman. And I would suggest to you, chronological order does not imply subordination or rule. If this was true, look at other examples found in, in Scripture. King David, he was the youngest of his brothers. John the Baptist, he came before Christ. Creation order itself, the land, the sea, the animals, the trees, and then mankind. Jesus' words himself, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. How about this one? It was Adam who named the animals and the woman, and naming implies dominance or authority. If this were true, Hagar, the Egyptian slave of Abraham and Sarah, who gave God a significant name in Scripture, the God who sees, the God who sees. It cannot be assumed that Hagar had any kind of authority over God just because she gave him a name. Also, a little hint, Adam didn't give the woman Eve her name until after the fall. How about this one? This one is one we've heard a lot. The woman was created as man's helper and helpers are subordinate. They're, they're like assistants. They kind of they help alongside. And with one brief exploration of that word helper in the original language, Azar Konegdo, you look that up. <laughs> Our English word does not cut it at all. It doesn't do it justice. Azar is a strong help, a suitable companion, a partner. Kinedo, in the presence of or in front of, standing face to face. You see, here we go, Adam, in our story, he had spent quite a lot of time naming animals. And here they are coming in pairs and sets of two. And he's getting to the end of the line going, okay, where's mine? <laughs> where's my buddy? <laughs> and God, he takes initiative with this and he creates the woman. But she, she is a strong partner. She is one made of the same stuff. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone from his side. Not under, not over but side by side, a power facing him, looking him in the eye. We're like each other, we're equals. We're on the same mission, we're partners. Unfortunately, these are just a few, I just gave you a few this morning because I don't want any overload <laughs> of some of the messages that have held many of us back. They've limited the possibilities. We need to stop it. We need to stop limiting God's kids, including yourself. God doesn't. We need to let go, church. Let go of the need to control. This original invitation to the table is a wide open space with many different opportunities to partner with God and each other. All right, so here we go. Genesis 3, what happens? This is where our story goes sideways. Eve, she bites off on the lie with Adam who was with her. We can't forget that. 
right here. <laughs> he ate as well. And together in partnership, they disobeyed God's command. Shame comes, fear comes, hiding, blame game begins. Here's the problem. Genesis 3 is sadly taught, not as a tragic consequence of sin, but rather a reflection of God's will for husbands and wives. And I'm calling us back today. I'm calling us back to Genesis 1. Remember what you were first called to. Remember the invitation, how wide and open the place at the table is for you. All right, we're going to breathe, exhale. Here we go. Let's continue our story. Adam and Eve, they leave the garden. They begin a family, but much of the work is difficult. And we watch this deterioration of mankind, broken relationships, rebellion, Suspicion, rape, incest, slavery, violent power grabs, and death. It's a brutal story, that Old Testament. If you haven't read it, it's brutal. But God, He's there. He's present in it. He steps in and He starts again with Abraham and Sarah. He makes a promise to them. And from that family comes a nation. God's heart is to lead this nation, to be close to them, to speak to them. But you know what they do? They reject him. They say, no, God, we, we, we don't want you as king. We actually want a king on the throne. We want a man. And they choose their king versus the one true king. And even in this act, of rejection and rebellion, God's there. He's there. He's providing a way for those who will listen. He sends prophets with a word of hope. A king is coming. He's coming. And after hundreds of years of silence, this baby, this baby is born in a stable, Jesus. Which leads us to point number two, come to the table in Jesus. I love this. This is our king. And he's born in a stable with animals. You see, they thought he would come with a crown on his head, with a sword at his side. They thought he would come with retribution and vengeance in his veins. Maybe he would look like David, maybe Solomon, maybe a great spiritual leader like Moses. But our God, our Jesus comes as a baby in a stable. Born into skin, human like us. Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16 captures this. Listen to this. Now we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weaknesses and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him. Let's get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Because of Jesus, we can live in right relationship with him. Again, we get to come back to the table. And notice the posture of how Jesus comes. Humility, simplicity, love, serving, 
listening, asking questions. In contrast, right, to the religious leaders of those times, those who were in power, Jesus has a lot to say about them. Mark chapter 12, this is Jesus speaking, just a little excerpt. Watch out for the religious scholars. They love to walk around in academic gowns, preening in the radiance of public flattery, basking in prominent positions, sitting at the head of the table for every church function. And all the time they are exploiting the weak and the helpless. The longer their prayers, the worse they get, but they'll pay for it in the end. Do you see the contrast of postures? The difference in posture from Jesus, the way he came to what was happening in that time with the religious leaders and scholars. What mankind was building our way of self-direction, hierarchy, power grabs, war, violence did not work. It never will. But Jesus came to show us a different way, a way of love, a way of sacrifice. He provided a way back to Genesis 1 <laughs> and he kicked Genesis 3 right in the teeth. Do we still see the effects of sin in our world? Yes. We do. Do we still sin? Yes, we do. Do we live in this perfect community? No, not yet. Are humans always kind to each other or to animals or to our earth? No, but we have this new way, this new way revealed in Jesus. So I want you to imagine yourself this morning sitting at the table with Jesus. He's across from you. Revelations 3, 20 says this. Look, I am standing at the door and knocking. If anyone listens to my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we will eat together. That's out of Revelations. I told you we'd get there. <laughs> but what I want you to do right now is just close your eyes for a minute. Hear his heart. I came for you. I came for you. I gave my life for you. You are my beloved, created in my image. I made you human and that is wonderful. It's a good thing. I love you that way. You will never outgrow your need of me. This is purposeful. Come to the table each and every day. I'm here for you. You were designed to walk close to me. I never wanted you to stand at a distance. I've walked in your skin. I've felt temptation, pain, betrayal. I've experienced every ounce of your earthly journey and more. Stay close to me, learn from me, know my heart and my ways. And as freely as I give to you, give it away to others. You can open your eyes now. This is the invitation 
of Jesus. This is where we come to find what we need daily, our stamina, our strength, our perspective, our purpose. It's found right here at the table with Jesus. And there's a lot of work ahead, friends. Our assignment is not complete. It's not done yet. There are frameworks that still need to come down, old ways of thinking, mindsets that still need to change. But can we remember what we were called to? Males and females of all races standing side by side, brothers and sisters partnering in Christ. Lastly, come to the table and make room. Remember that picture that I gave you in Isaiah chapter 25 of the feast and the celebration that is to come? The table for all people? This is why we've added some extra place settings here today for you. This invitation to the table is for everyone. At the tables where you already are seated, how can you make room? At the boardrooms that, that actually need a representation of male and female, how can you make room? At your marriage table, are you equalized? Are you standing face to face? Do you need to readjust to allow equality in your own relationship? How do we make room for those who have been marginalized and kept from the table? Here's how we do it, church. Are you ready? We give away power. Some of us just need to get up out of our chairs and invite somebody else to the table. So we're back to our big idea. At the heart of the gospel is laying down power and setting aside privilege. As we close today, I sense that I needed to share a little bit of my testimony with you. So I want to take just a few minutes to do that. Being raised in a conservative Christian home, I went to a evangelical church all of my days, um, and I've served in the church for most of my life. And while I am grateful for my history, I'm grateful for my heritage and the things that that brought to my life, some of those solid truths that were ingrained in me at a very young age, with that came some tensions as well. With that came some mixed messages. Hearing that women were equal and created in the image of God, and yet what was reflected for me in practice was not equality. For a long time, I did not have a seat at the table, largely based on my gender. And when I was invited to the table, it was to fill the role of a pastor's wife. I can remember telling my mama back in my 20s, I was like, oh, mom, this is, this is going to be bad. <laughs> like, I am not a pastor's wife. I, I can't sing. I don't play the piano. And I cannot stand those women, like those tea things they do. <laughs> and I can remember her just laughing and saying, Joy, it's going to be okay. 
God will show you. I knew that God had called me to be a pastor, but the box I was given never seemed to fit. This box came prepackaged, almost with outfits included. And I began this journey with the Lord. This was a span of years, folks. This took time. But he began to show me something on the inside of me. He began to show me the qualities, the characteristics that were embodied in me that reflected him. And I began for the first time to see myself in him and to see him in me. And I was able to fall in love with joy for the first time in the best possible way. My purpose, my contribution to the table was revealed by what was on the inside of me. It was always there. This was a game changer for me. Instead of searching externally, right? Listening to the voices outside, of what I should do, or, or Proverbs 31, like, oh my word, I could never add up. Those sermons were horrendous growing up. I could, I, I, like, I could feel the weight of them just going, oh gosh, yeah, I don't get up early. I don't make my own clothes. <laughs> but instead of listening to those voices or trying to fit into this box that was given to me, I began to listen to the voice inside of me. It said, Joy, look how I made you. You see that? That's good. I like you that way. Joy, what do you love to do? What, what fills you up? What inspires you? Let's go do that together. And I found a freedom church that I never tasted before. So maybe that's you this morning, some way, somehow. I would encourage you, get to the table with Jesus. Find your identity here first. Begin to discover the ways that he wired you, the ways that he made you. Those things, those indelible prints on the inside of you where he says this, this is good. And then begin to walk those out. Begin taking steps to live that out. Be bold, be courageous. And if there is not a space at the table where you are at, I encourage you, get up. Go to another table. They're out there. Shake the dust off your feet and go find one. God will show you. He will provide all that you need to live in the fullness of how he designed you. So come to the table, church. Come to the table. Remember the original invitation and make room for others. Would you pray with me? Father, for those that are hearing, maybe for the first time, this invitation to come to the table. I pray for a confidence to come, to begin a conversation with you, maybe just a simple talk 
with Jesus. For those that need to get up, to, to make room at their table, to get out of their chair, to invite somebody else, I pray for a courage to give away power, to lay down that need for control, to set aside privilege. And for those marginalized, kept away from the table, Jesus, come, show them. Show them the way that you made them and what that means as their contribution to the table. Give them courage. Help them find those specific next steps so that they can walk in freedom. They can walk in the fullness of all that you have for them. Thank you for what you're gonna do with these good seeds that are planted here today. Father, I trust you, you're faithful. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.